Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, it's snowing outside. It's uh, November 11th. 2020, I recorded the episode that we're going to be listening to with Jackie earlier, probably about a month ago, but we're just getting around to releasing it right now. I've had some thoughts, and I want to share them with you. I am going to be deleting the Twitter account for this podcast, and this is a result of what I consider censorship by Twitter of basically shutting down a legitimate news media source, the New York Post, in uncovering and exposing the Hunter Biden scandal. I don't feel like I want to support a company that wants to arbitrarily choose what I can and cannot read. When Twitter started, they opened it up to everybody and said, come into our platform, we'll let you share your ideas. It can be an open pollination of ideas We're not going to do anything. And then suddenly they decide, after they get so many users, that they become valuable, that they want to now kick people out of their platform, that they don't like, that whose whose political beliefs they may not like. And I'm a big believer of free speech. I'm smart enough to discern what is fake speech and what is true speech. And so I'm not going to support that platform anymore. So I did some research to see what my little protest is worth. So there are about 145 million daily users of the Twitter platform. Their market cap, which is totally derived by the number of users that use their platform, because remember, they sell advertising, and advertising is only valuable if you can get in front of people. So their market cap, in other words, the value of the company as of today, is about $33.7 billion dollars. So what that means is each user, each active daily user, has a value to Twitter of $232.41. So I think the only way to make Twitter sit up and pay attention and quit being the censors that they are is to start walking away from the platform, and that's exactly what I intend to do. So I am worth $232 to Twitter. I'm going to take that back. My wife made the decision to get off all social media the other day, Because quite honestly, when I go onto social media, I don't come off of it feeling good. I I feel lousy. I feel like I wasted my time. Most of the tweets are opinions and people shouting at you to believe what they believe. Very little is valuable information. I've never got anything of true value from Twitter. So I'm leaving Twitter. I just wanted to let you know that. All right. My social media is going to be this podcast And everybody on this podcast is welcome to write me and make an actual personal contact with me by writing me franz1 at medsailor.com. I don't think that the superficial relationships that you have in social media are really worth much. The relationships I have are usually developed over time through one-on-one conversation or emails or spending time with somebody. I don't think valuable relationships are created through social media. All right. I'm going to ask you, if you like this podcast, to go out there and rate it in the podcast directories, your Apple podcast directory or whatever podcast directory that you use. There's a few ways you can support this podcast. One is becoming a Patreon, and I'm still not up to that magic $100 a month figure, so I'm looking for a few more patrons out there. You can buy my audio products. And the audio products include audio lessons for the written portion of the ASA exams. They're available at the website, medsailor.com. <clears throat> and then one other way you can support the podcast is to write a review. I did get a review in October. That's great. Thank you for writing that review. I will read it in the future sometime. So I would really appreciate it if you like this podcast to support it in one way or another. And if you don't, I understand But I have to say, (laughs) this podcast is almost turning into more work for me than it's worth. 
I'm cutting down my episodes to once every two weeks because it takes so much time to put out a podcast. And I don't have anything to talk about since I can't go sailing. I'm fed up with this pandemic crap that we're going through. All right, enough for my soapbox on this. I am on Skype with Jackie and Kevin. Jackie and Kevin are from South Africa and ended up buying a catamaran and have been sailing in the Mediterranean for the last month. Jackie wrote me a a nice letter saying she'd like to share her experiences with the listeners of this podcast. And so I took her up on it. And we are going to start at the beginning and get a little bit of background about you and Kevin and, uh, and how you ended up where you are right now. Okay. All right. So I think we'd gotten to a point where we'd had enough of corporate life and we decided there was something more we needed. And we'd always wanted to come and live in Europe. We looked at different ways to do it. And we ultimately got to a point where we fell in love with Croatia. We'd been there six times. We wanted to live there, but from a South African perspective, it's very difficult to get um, residency of any form in the country. And the only way to do it was to, to investigate what other countries in Europe were available from a residency perspective to gain access to being able to spend time in Croatia. We came across the Spanish um, residency, something that they call a non-lucrative visa, which allows you to live in the country, spend money in the country, um, while not earning a salary or paying tax, and then you get access to the EU, So, which is something we went for. Okay, so this would be something for digital nomads, basically, then. Correct, correct. So I gave up work, and Kevin, unfortunately, had to continue work. He will continue working until next year, um, and then he will be retiring full-time. All right. How long did you work in the corporate culture? A whole a whole lives, I guess. I mean, we started, yeah, I started when I was, you know, my first corporate job, 25, and been going since then. So, yeah, it's been time for for something different and by doing this whole sailing thing it allows us to chase a dream but you know still balance a little bit of income on the side fortunately i'm able to to work remotely okay well we don't know how old you are now to me uh, from your voices you sound like you're you're in your mid-20s so you must be a little older (laughs) than that (laughs) we're we're about double that (laughs) so still still fairly young but you know, young enough to still be able to do this, you know. Um, I, I think definitely from our perspective, we've needed a, a fair level of fitness and strength and, and stuff to be able to do this, just the two of us um, on the cat. So, you know, and it being new to us as well. So young enough to do this and still enjoy it. Um, yeah, and we'll worry about the rest later. So, so Kevin's late 40s, I'm early 50s. Okay, okay. And yes, you're from yes. Cape Town, originally from Cape Town, South Africa. So, That's correct, yes. Now, uh, was there anything that drove you out of South Africa or just the opportunity to explore something new? Uh, nothing drove us out. We, we, we've spent most of our holidays traveling Europe. We've done a lot of mountain biking in Europe. Um, and then we've had these four or five sailing holidays in Croatia, um, and while Cape Town is an exceptional place and, and it will always be that, it's it's not the same type of outdoor lifestyle that we're used to from a European perspective. Yeah. I, I've never been to South Africa, but I understand Cape Town is a, is a beautiful city. So, and uh, have you been to Dubrovnik by chance? Yeah, I mean, as, as Jackie said, we've been to Croatia six times. I think four out of those six times we're in Dubrovnik. Um, we've mostly sailed between Dubrovnik and Split kind of area. Uh, once or twice we've gone up to Myrta and the Konati Islands, but mostly the, the, the Split to Dubrovnik kind of leg we've sailed. Well, the reason, um, I, the reason, I, ask, yeah, the reason I ask is the, the, the manager of the Sunsail uh, Flotilla there in Dubrovnik is from South Africa as well. And he points that out every time I say he's from Australia or New Zealand. So did you get <laughs> yes. a chance to meet him by, when you were down there? 
We haven't met him. In fact, he's got a lady from um, Cape Town that I met via cycling that is the ambassador. She's also a radio presenter on the Suntel side. And um, I use them quite often as a tool to see what's um, with Greece. When we went to Greece, I saw where Suntel went. They're, they're an exceptional organization when you are trying to do research on which are good spots to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's helped me out several times and I've, I've mentioned that in the podcast because I've wintered yes. my boat down in, uh, in Dubrovnik and he's got me out of a few, uh, few tough situations with getting gear and, and stuff. So I just was curious if you'd met him and that's the only reason I no. asked if you'd been to Dubrovnik. So talk yeah, to so us. So yeah. France, there's, there's a little, there's a little Island of Dubrovnik called Colosep. It goes Colosep, Lopat and Sipan. And um, we've we've spent many weeks on Colosep, and it was actually on Colosep that the dream started. That we said, "Hey, you know, we love this place so much, we want to live in Croatia." And since we can't buy a property here, why don't why don't we buy a boat? So that was that was on the beach on Colosep that this whole dream started, and and we started to make plans to for it to become a reality. All right, all right. So you chart? Did you charter boats several times in in Croatia? Then is that what you did? We sailed sailed with friends, friends who had boats or okay. friends who did the chartering. So it was quite interesting because we were really just able, willing crew kind of thing, you know, which is a very different mindset for us when you're just a, a passenger on a on a holiday worrying about just how much sun you're getting and swimming versus when we when we started sailing seriously and, 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 and getting our skippers, which is fairly recent for us, the, the different kind of mindset when you kind of got to make the decisions and be responsible and be aware of what's going on versus just a a nice a nice passenger on a holiday all right all right well let's take it from the beginning tell us uh, how you ended up buying your boat and what your adventures have been this summer uh i gather you just bought your boat this year is that correct we we bought it so we we came through last year we did some mountain biking in slovenia and then, um, in fact, it was 2018, and then we ended up buying the boat in 2019 in Croatia um, and took ownership of it in December, November, December, moved to Spain as part of this non-lucrative visa in end of January, and then um, the plan was to be able to get across and begin this amazing adventure, obviously, in in May timeframe, and then March, we we were obviously hit by this COVID experience that everybody has been through. So that was quite quite a shock. So talk to me about living in Spain. Do you speak Spanish? Hablo un poco español. We've been learning for a year. Yeah, we've been learning for a year, and it's coming along nicely. That you know. The plan was when we were in Spain, we'd have a lot, a lot of people to speak to and interact with, so that that would kind of accelerate the learning. But then we were all locked down, so we had no one to talk to. So it's taken a, a bit of a back seat. But yeah, it's coming, it's coming along. Um, but it, it was, it was fun. I mean, we were staying in Barcelona, and it was fun, you know, up until the point of lockdown. And then, it, then I guess it's we felt what everyone else felt. Um, you know, just just struggling to want to get out and stuff. Um, but ultimately, we were lucky because we always wanted to get to Croatia and get onto the boat um, beginning or sort of middle to end of May. And we managed to get there through quite an interesting journey. Um, by the 10th of June, we were on the boat. Okay. So I'm looking at this timeline that you sent me in this email. And I guess that you had a, a couple false attempts to get over to the boat this year. We, we we did do um, so. We we realised things were going south in Spain. We also realised that Spain was at that stage one of the worst hit uh, countries in Europe. It quickly escalated, and we started speaking to friends in Portugal because we thought if we need to get into Croatia, the last thing we want to do is be leaving from Spain. But we were waiting for our residency cards. Our residency cards arrived on the Friday and Spain locked down on the Saturday. So that killed that. And I just kept looking on the internet, trying to find ways. Um, we were looking at the airlines and the airlines just kept shutting down everything down. So they were saying, going to open up, there will be flights. And you'd look 
and didn't want to book unless it was confirmed. And a week later, the flights were gone. Eventually, we found out that Italy was opening their borders on the 3rd of June. Um, and so we, we managed to find a ferry because there were no flights going to Italy. So we managed to find a ferry that was going across, booked tickets on that, uh, packed up everything in our apartment in Barcelona. We walked because there were no trains. We walked nearly five kilometers to the ferry lines to be turned around because they said to us uh, that the borders were only opening up for Europeans. Again, we weren't Europeans. And so we needed to come back the next day. So we got our lawyers on the line. We confirmed that they wouldn't stop us. So we walked probably nine kilometers that day. And the next day we walked another nine kilometers and they led us on board of the ferry. So it was a very emotional moment to be able to climb aboard and know we were getting closer um, with no idea what was going to happen once we reached Italy. Okay, so you were able to get into Italy. I tried to get into Italy all summer long, and they weren't allowing any Americans into Italy, so into Europe in general, in fact. So you got... Uh, yeah, we, we, we were very lucky because we neither of us had been to Rome before, and we arrived in Rome on the day after they opened their borders to other Europeans, and we got to experience all the sights um, and the glory of Rome kind of on our own. It was amazing. You could t- we took photos of the Colosseum where there wasn't another tourist in sight, which is kind of a very hard thing to do. So we, we had a couple of days in, in, in Rome, almost all to ourselves. And then we caught a train across the country to, to the East Coast to Ancona. Um, and the plan was then to get a ferry from Ancona to, to split um, the passenger ferry, but they canceled that as well. Um, and we were basically waiting, going down every day to find out is there ferry, is there ferry. And eventually we got a last minute allocation on a cargo ferry going to Zadar. Um, so we grabbed that and we figured we'd, we'd work out how to get from Zadar to split, you know, once we got there, but we were quite lucky there as well. And, and we had an hour. So we literally got there. They said, okay, we'll let you onto this cargo ferry. We had an hour to get back, pack up our stuff, stuff again, run. It was probably about three kilometers to the ferry terminal to be able to get onto this ferry. But we got there and it was just such an exhilarating experience. So you've you've left your apartment in in Barcelona. Did you keep your apartment, or is it now empty and available for release? Or are you keeping that to go back to? No, we we were just renting. We we had a we had a, a short term rent in Barcelona. So everything you own is going with you on all these <laughs> excursions, then. Well, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because we, we've had sort of one suitcase and a, and a duffel bag between the two of us um, because we we shipped some stuff from South Africa. We we kind of decided, you know, backwards and forwards, do we, don't we? And eventually we shipped some stuff, from all our summer clothes cause we, and some stuff for the boat and things like that, which, which was supposed to get there in time. And then with, with COVID, it didn't get there in time. So we've been... We've been surviving the whole, you know, since since, since January. Since January, with with kind of a suitcase and a half, and we actually yesterday managed to collect our stuff that shipped over, and so now we've got we've got a lot more, and we don't know what to do with it anymore because we've been living so minimalistic for for five months. We don't know what to do with the stuff, but anyway, we have it now, and yeah, the boat the boat is our home. It's 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 yeah, everything that we have is on this boat. So you're going to be a live aboard full time. Uh, 365 day a year liveaboards and on the boat. I might go insane and, and beg and plead insanity and say, please, can I spend one night in a hotel somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yeah, we we arrived back in Spain. Uh, we got to Menorca um, three weeks ago. Mm. And then now we're in Spain. We're in a place called Arens. Amar, um, which is 42-odd kilometers east up the coast from Barcelona. Lovely little marina. Um, so we're going to try and survive winter through year, and hopefully it doesn't get too cold. Okay, I'm going to look that up in Google or spell that for me. A-R-E-N-Y-S-D-E-M-A-R. So a rents of the sea. Okay. Yeah, nice marina there. Is that is that uh, the marina you're staying at, Arenci del Mar? Okay, yeah, 
Big... Yeah, uh, Club Nautico. Okay. So it's uh, it's quite it's fairly north. It's a little bit north than I'd like, but it's very quaint, and we've got access to the mountains here. So while we're based full time on the boat, we've we've got access to land, which which is not just a city, which we quite enjoy. Okay, it's a fairly large marina. Uh, are the are the fees reasonable for liveaboards? Uh, we negotiated. It's COVID time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not too bad. I mean, a lot of the marinas around Barcelona are quite expensive. Um, we're paying just slightly more than we would have paid in Cartagena, um, and obviously quite a bit more. We'd pay in something like. Um, um, Almeria, which you know, I mean, everyone knows Almeria and Cartagena. So we're very similar to Cartagena, which which for us was quite a fine to get that. Yeah, I'm looking at this and I see one catamaran on Google Earth. Of course, this image is an older image, but it looks like a great place. There's a nice town there, not a yeah. large town, but a decent sized town, and easily yes. within walking distance of the marina. Then. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I think we, there are a total of three catamarans in the marina. Um, not a lot of liverboards. I think they're kind of seven or nine of us Ooh. now that that kind of permanently liverboard. But there are a lot that that kind of stay during the weekend. But what was important for us is kind of as Jackie was saying, the access to the land and the mountains because we we, we mountain bike and we run quite a lot. That's you know that's what keeps us kind of sane and and, and that's what keeps us going through winter and, and that's one of the big reasons actually why we love Croatia so much because every island you know every bay you're anchoring on a, on a different island has if you explore the island they've got so many beautiful paths um, that wind through to the top of the hills and around the island and we love exploring those and hiking and, and, and running on that and getting the balance um, so we should hopefully get a lot of that year as well okay yeah, it looks like a beautiful place. I, I liked Spain when I sailed through it, but it's been so many years. And my understanding is they're basically looking at locking down the um, the country again. Yes, I believe so. And I, I think if they do do something like that, there's no better place to be than on a boat, you know, because you've still got access in a marina, which which is fairly free to walk around if you want to walk to the end of the pier that's fine um and then we've got access to shops so it's probably quite a good place to be um i'm not sure what they're going to do about locking down it does look like that they are they are discussing it and i suppose we'll we'll worry about it then if it does happen um we've been through it before worried about next year we're hoping that this will lift for for the globally Mm -hmm. next year and that this doesn't continue yeah. Now, did you buy, how did you, let's talk about the purchase of the boat and the process that you used to, to go buy the boat. How did you find your boat and what was the purchase procedure like? Yeah, so we we came over to Croatia uh, 20, 2019, yeah, um, end of May, beginning of June to sail for two weeks because now that we were kind of starting to do this and, and, and fairly new to sailing, we thought we'd we better spend a, a little bit more time together on a boat and see can we do this. Um, so we sp- we sailed around out of Murta and Konati Islands and stuff for two weeks and absolutely loved it. But at, at that stage, every time we stopped in a marina, we um, we went and looked at boats. And we, we just we, we looked at boats and we quickly decided that a catamaran would kind of work better for us um, because we're going to live on it 365 days a year and um, – just the two of us, so we wanted to be able to sail it fairly easy, shorthanded. So we quickly decided on a catamaran, and um, then we started looking and doing researching into all of those. Um, a friend, a friend gave us probably the best advice when buying a boat, and that was buy the smallest boat you can get away with. Um, so from a length perspective, we wanted to make sure we were under 12 meters because the you know the, the pricing goes up when you when you exceed that bracket for for everything. Um, so the Lagoons 39 is what we bought, and we we decided just from a a utilization of space perspective, she just seemed to work much better than the other cats in, in the same range for us. And also we had really read really good reviews on how she handles and how she sails. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Lagoon 39, but the the mast is set quite far back, and the, you know it, it helps with the balance. And she sails she sails really well. Um, so then we looked at a lot of those. Um, and the day before we flew out, we found one um, in a charter company, um, 
Croatia Yacht Club that was in really good condition because some of them were just were just really bad. So we found a 2015 in really good condition, which we had a look at, and we went back home and the decision just kind of happened. I mean, it, we didn't decide, okay, we're doing this. We just It just kind of grew legs of its own. So we put an offer in, I think, fairly soon after that and then went through the process, which I've got to tell you, being South Africans, trying to get residency in Europe, buying a boat in Croatia, in the EU without VAT, and actually, you know, trying to sort that out was incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. So that was a, a nightmare of a process. Um, Croatia is very slow with the paperwork, um, ended up wasting a lot of time. Um, I actually spent six weeks on the boats in November, December, which was not a great time to be in Croatia, waiting for paperwork but ultimately we've registered the boat in the state of delaware believe it or not um and that was that just worked out easiest for us as, as south africans with with spanish residency so um the boat's in great condition um yeah you know, croatia yacht club really do look after the after their boats very well and I'm, I'm, we're very impressed and i got a lot of help from them um, when I was staying there in terms of just sorting out little niggles and stuff like that that I discovered on the boat. So they've been really great through the process, but um, the broker wasn't wasn't so great. Now, you said you bought it without VAT. Now you're going to have to play the game all the time. Why, why yes, did you decide to do that? Yes, unfortunately we are. And, and I've, I've heard your, your comments on your podcast, so you are aware of the 18 months game we have to play. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, what's the issue now? I couldn't get over to move my boat this year because they wouldn't allow me in the country, so I just figure I'll deal with when I get back. I'll just basically yeah. ignore it because, hey, I wanted to, but you wouldn't let me in, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the American flag at the back seems to be a target, although we haven't had any experiences yet. We, we've kind of, on Menorca, we, we, we met an American couple who've been here for, for about a year, um, and they've been boarded twice by the Coast Guard wanting to make sure that, that everything's in order and asking them about the VAT and what, how they're staying here. And um, um, Yeah, so a bit of a stressful process for them that they've been through twice. We, but, you know, it's eventually when they see the paperwork and stuff, it's kind of a, it's kind of a right. So we'll wait our turn. And, and with Spain, how it works is that if you bring a boat into the country and you're a Spanish resident, as long as you're not paying any tax and you don't have a bank account, then you're not responsible for paying the money for the VAT. So you sort of negate that as well. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. So you can't, you don't have to play the game then is what you're telling me. No, no, me. no, we, we do. We, we do. We do. We've we got to do the 18, 18 months, 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 the European. Okay. Turkey or Albania kind of thing, which, yes. which is quite interesting because this year we want to do, you know, sailing down from Croatia to Spain. We wanted to go um, spend a couple of days in Albania we were quite looking forward to it and kind of re reset because we were going past. But then we found out if we stopped in Albania, we couldn't get into Greece. So we had to, we had to sail right the way past. So hopefully in May, June next year, we can we can stop in Albania for a day or two. Okay. And Montenegro was shut down when you went through too? No, Montenegro was all right. Um, yeah, Montenegro was fine. They didn't have any issues with us coming in. Um, coming from Croatia, there were, there were no problems. Um, into Montenegro. Uh, Greece was also right. They just wanted to know where we were coming from. Italy had changed. So we spent 48 hours in the Messina Straits in a place called Reggio de Cabrio. I don't know how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. Sheltering from a, from very bad storms and winds. Um, and they wouldn't let us off the boat for 48 hours. I, I couldn't even climb off to connect the water. I had to call them to connect the water for us. So that was a bit frustrating and very different to the beginning um and then coming back into spain was no problem so it's, it's been very different experiences going through the different countries with COVID. and you know in one sense being on the boat was probably the best place to be because you you, you kind of almost forget about it right it, it's like you're on a big holiday and and you forget about it and the only time it kind of registers that it's still going on is when you when you go ashore to go to the shop to get groceries and you have to put a mask on but outside of that you know you're oblivious to it and Speaking to our friends in, in the UK and South Africa and all over the world, you know, what they're going through versus what we were going through, I think we definitely chose chose the right place to be. Yeah, well, your experience with getting into Greece is 
totally the opposite of, uh, I don't know if I've already put it out or one that's coming out in the next week of another American family that sailed into Greece and they would not let them clear into Greece. Wow. Uh, a whole, it's a whole long story. Uh, so listen to the podcast on when it comes out. I don't know if it's already been released or if it's coming out next week. Anyway, because uh, I had this conversation recently. Uh, where did you clear into Greece? So we didn't, it wasn't easy. I've got to be honest with you. It, it was really a little bit of a nightmare and it took us four hours before they would finalize our paperwork. So it wasn't an easy process at all because South Africans with Spanish residency on an American boat, um, we had to pay quite a bit of money as well. Yeah, and so, so we, we cleared in at Corfu, and at mm-hmm. first when she saw the American boat, she didn't want to let us in, and then, you know, because she said, only, you know, Americans aren't allowed in, and then we explained, well, no, we're, we're, we're not Americans, the boat's American, we're, we're South Africans, but we've got European residency, and when she got it wrapped her head around the fact that we had European residency, then we were allowed in, but it, it was a four-hour process, and it was, yeah, not oh. fun. Okay. All right. So that's the difference. They were Americans on a, uh, I guess it's still an American boat they bought. Anyway. uh, And so they would probably would not have been allowed in. Well, they weren't. And it really depends on who you talk to and who you pay. Because they were not allowed to clear in in Corfu, but they were allowed to pay an agent and got cleared in for an $800 fee down in... Down in Patra. Is it Patra? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's a it's a flexible situation in Greece, it looks like. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with Italy, we weren't allowed in, and, and we were prevented from getting off the boat. So then we went straight down the Messina, and then we just popped along to Sicily. And, I mean, that was it. We, we went shopping there. We, we didn't spend a lot of time offshore, but there was nobody checking anymore. And then we went to Sardinia, and nobody was checking there either. And then the next thing we went to was across to Menorca. And we went in there, and we said, hey, we're here. And they said, commercial vessels only. Sorry, we can't help you. You need to go to Barcelona. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, your summer sale. You had about, what, well, let's see, you started in June. Uh, No, you actually got on the boat and started sailing in September, then, right? No, no. Tenth of tenth of June, we tenth arrived of June. on the boat. Okay. Tenth of June, and we had three months in Croatia um, before before leaving. Okay, so where did you start out in Split then? Um, we left the so so yes, we, basically. Yeah, we took possession of the boat last in November, and I left her in a marina on the island of Brach, um, a little town called Milna. Um, so okay. we left her there for the winter, so we collected her there. So that's where we started from, um, and yeah, we 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 kind of spent some time zigzagging around those islands. Um, uh, split Trogir, first um, Shedro, Portula, Skedro, Lestavo, um, and then up, up towards Sibenek, up the river a little bit. Some of the islands of Sibenek and. Yeah, we bounced around there quite a bit before we made our way down towards uh, Dubrovnik and exited. So from Dubrovnik, you so you basically just up and down the coast like I do, many places. Did you stop? Yeah. Did you stop in many marinas, or were you anchoring most of the time? So, so, so we we listened to your podcast where you interviewed um, the guy. I can't remember his name that that published. Um, but we we pretty much avoided marinas as much as possible uh, for two reasons. We find creation marinas fairly costly, and we also prefer a, a serene bay where you can swim and just be by yourselves or, or be around like-minded people. Now, from Dubrovnik, then, uh, did, did you have any specific uh, experiences during that sale that you want to, to share any, any, so s- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Creation was quite interesting because when we arrived there, I mean, you take something like Pakleni, which is just off of Var, which is a very popular Island. I mean, we were in a bay there and there were two yachts at the beginning. Um, the first couple of weeks when we, we stopped there twice and then suddenly they started to open up, um, the borders and especially a lot of Austrians and Germans, um, were coming in and it, 
the season definitely started to pick up. I mean, from week to week, you could you could see how many boats. And we came back there and we were quite surprised to find 20, 20 yachts in, in the same bay where there were two the week before. Um, and then kind of getting into August, Croatia went onto everyone's red list again and suddenly everyone disappeared and we had the whole place to, to ourselves again. So it was quite interesting But um, from, from that. And I think quite lucky to and probably rare to experience it um, so quiet. Um, but I, you know what you know what sailing around Croatia is like, right? I mean, the odd isolated thunderstorm that comes through, but otherwise it's beautiful and it's calm and it's and it's it's, it's just fantastic. Any boras? Uh, so that that was that was great. Sorry, I said any boras. Um, we had one. We had one bad blow, um, but I mean, we were well warned of it, and we managed to kind of sh- kind of find a good sheltered spot and stuff, which is fairly easy there. So, so that was all right. I mean, our drama really that came was in- Ston. Yeah, that was yeah, Ston. Ston. We we okay. hid out at Ston for two days uh, to avoid that, and then we we headed to Greece just in time to meet the the Medicaid. Yeah, that's that's when the drama started. Was 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 Greece. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and and Stan would be very, very well protected as well, anyway. Yeah, so. and we, we were actually, it was quite a blessing because we were going to head to Mulget, to the National Park, and we were kind of a little bit reticent about, you know, where to anchor, where you can't anchor, with, with, with the fees and all that stuff. And then the way the wind was just working, we decided to go to Stan because we could get good shelter there, and, and we hadn't been there before. And, and we I can't remember the place where we were now. Jack, Jackie can look it up. But it was, for us, it was a fantastic discovery. I really would go back there. It was, we really, really found it very beautiful and, and enjoyed Stan. Um, yeah. From Dubrovnik, did you go back to Italy or did you go straight down the coast to Greece then? So Dubrovnik into Montenegro. So we spent five days in Montenegro. So we went into Kotor and sailed mm-hmm. around the bay and then out um, we went to Bar. Did we go to Bar, Jax? Bar. And then and then we left from there, um, sailed straight past Albania um, into to Corfu in Greece. Um, that was a fairly, I mean, we had good winds, uh, a little bit of following seas, and that was non-eventful. Um, we, yeah, Greece was the first time for us. Um, yeah, a little bit disappointed, to no fault of Greece, but just, just the conditions, because I mean, we, we, Paxos and Antipaxos were, were beautiful, and then we ended up in Lefkada, where we had some, some just routine maintenance done on the engines, and, um, and then we heard that the the storm was coming. You know, at that stage it was it was just a storm. So we decided, well, we would we would stay north of it um, and find somewhere sheltered on Left Carter, and which we made that decision early, which was really good because it kept getting upgraded and then eventually became the Medicaid and kept moving more and more north. And that was probably our scariest what forty eight seventy two hours we've probably ever had in our in, in our lives. That was a quite a, quite an experience um but after that i mean everything was just was just a mess i mean Murtos beach looked like a bomb had exploded on it the coffee shop and restaurant were under rocks from where the, where the mountain had come down on it the sea was you couldn't even see half a meter in, in the sea because it was so full of sand and mud and there were floating tires and trees and stuff so it was it was a bit of a mess and and our time was cut short because of the medicaid so we, we kind of had to leave so and Kefalonia, we, we entered Kefalonia and it was just shipwreck after shipwreck that had oh, yeah. been trashed by the storm. Yeah. Coming to Kefalonia and you see these masts sticking out of the water. Uh, Let me back up because I want to learn your techniques for writing out the medicaid. So I'm, uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the uh, Google Maps of Lefkada. And, uh, so we left with Carter. We we sailed out of the channel. Um, uh-huh. To where did we go, Jax? Um, it, it called uh, a Tranquility, Tranquility Bay, Bay. Believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> we got into Tranquility Bay. No, we're, hold on. Like I'm, I'm looking. I'm, look, I'm looking on the map. So as I'm coming down through through the Lefkas Canal or through the south entrance of Lakata, you'll turn yeah. left. Is it left that you're talking about, or 
no, the east or to the keep, keep right? Keep going down the coast uh -huh. on the right hand side. Keep going down the coast. Um, what what's the what's the uh, Jackie? We'll look it up now. Now is um, it Nidri? Is it ne near Nidri? Nidri, Nidri. 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 There we go. Okay, so that big bay just south of Nidri is where you're talking about. Correct. So okay. we went in there. Um, there were quite a, quite a there were quite a sorry. lot of yachts in there. Uh, sorry, France. We we um we use Navali quite a bit mm -hmm. from the tool. Mm -hmm. to be able to look up what a good bay is from a shelter perspective. Obviously, we we sort of cognizant that the wind that they say you're 100% protected from is in normal conditions. But we, we definitely looked at it and it seemed to be a good, good bay from um, an anchorage perspective as well as a protection perspective. Okay, I've anchored in that bay a couple times. But it gets fairly okay. deep several places. Were you on the uh, east side or the west side of that bay where you anchored? Um, or down at the bottom? I don't know. I've only been in no. the front to the top, and I've anchored on the uh, the uh, east side of that bay as I came in a little ways because it, it was fairly good holding in that area. Yeah, I think we were at the top kind of on the east side, mm -hmm. um, and we, we, we didn't just put – down all our anchor chain we took lines ashore as well we managed to get a little bit of of headland that that, that we could still fit in and, and we put we put two lines ashore um um with a long anchor chain and that's kind of how how we rode it out and it was it was pretty hairy i mean there was at one stage in the middle of it i think it was just after just after midnight we counted five yachts or there was yachts and, mo and motorboats that were were sailing or motoring around trying to to find a new place to put the anchor because they'd all they'd all lost the anchor. Um, we, we ended up with a motor yacht anchoring quite close to us. Um, didn't put out nearly enough chain um, and kept kind of swinging around to us. And the poor guy spent like three hours with his bow thrusters every five minutes, kind of keeping himself away from us. And and eventually he paid the price of not putting out enough anchor and he, he lost his anchor. He went flying back. He picked up the anchor of another yacht, and him and that yacht kind of both went went blowing back and almost I don't know how they missed crashing into into a third yacht. Um, it was it was a mess. It was an absolute absolute mess there, and and we were on the edges of it, so we, we were very lucky. Yeah, I mean, you ran a couple lines ashore. I've done that in the past too, and then I then. I had an experience uh, in Greece on a small island. A big storm came through. I uh, I put two lines ashore from where the wind was blowing, and yeah. uh, and and had a anchor out in front of me. So I felt that I was really secure. And then the wind shifted 180 degrees, and I was at risk <laughs> of dragging my anchor and, and crashing into the shore. Where I thought I was so cocky there, and then suddenly I ended up having to cut my shorelines because. I was getting too. I was by myself, so I cut my shorelines, and pulled up my anchor and went out way out in the bay at that point in time. And yes, so you know I've learned my lesson not to try to get too close to shore. Give myself plenty of room from both directions. Uh, yes, but the problem I've had in these big storms is exactly what you just described. You may be well anchored, and suddenly some guy that doesn't know what they're doing drags anchor and comes down and pops your anchor up and now you're in a really a lot of trouble so it's it's good you yeah. didn't happen to you is what i'm saying so yeah yeah it's it, it was close i mean it happened to to the, to the art next to us it, it was really close but um yeah it was it was horrible we, we've we neither of us have been in those kind of conditions ever and certainly not not on a uh, we've had a hell of a hell of a learning learning experience for the two of us, kind of very novice sailors. And I think you, you get used to being able to spend a lot of time awake and and not sleeping during the nights and being vigilant. And I think that's a big thing when when you made the decision to cut your shorelines. You, you've got to be ready that this is something that you might need to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I the wind actually about after an hour later, the wind totally died down to nothing. And I know went back and anchored in the same spot and spent the next two hours resplicing my shorelines. <laughs> so. yeah. I think we got we got up to 130, 40 kilometers an hour uh, winds through there. It, it was quite, and the debris that was going past us was quite amazing. There were chairs and lilos and trees and cushions and everything that could blow past us. 
you're looking at this stuff and it's just wow it's unbelievable wow okay so that was sort of um you did paxi and added paxi worked your way down did you stop at provisa on the way down as well no no we didn't okay. no and we, we we wanted to get to zach zakynthus but okay. yeah they'd been placed on the red list from a greece perspective so we decided to then call it and make the crossing to Italy via Kefalonia. And that's then we sort of exited at that stage, which was very sad because that's an island I would love to have gotten to. That's one of the islands I've still never been to is Zakynthos as well. So I've been... Yes. Yeah. So did you spend any time in Ithaca? Wanted to as well, also didn't because okay. I believe it's quite lovely. But yeah. No, okay. So didn't. you got you got lots of opportunity to explore that in the future, then. So correct. So you're fairly correct. short in in Greece. In hindsight, do you think it was worth even going to Greece this year? Because you really just <laughs> you just had a taste no, of it then. No, no definitely not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because you went way far south to start working your way, and you could have just headed to the southern tip of. Italy and up and around that way if you'd wanted to. So. We, we're going to be doing that route in, in reverse when we head back to Croatia in summer or sort of getting towards summer. So we'll actually avoid Greece this time and we'll hug the boot of Italy and then we'll go across um, and then do Albania at that stage. Okay, yeah. And you can also spend a whole three months just exploring Sardinia and Corsica. There's no real rush for you to get over there, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and we haven't seen Corsica, and we're quite keen to do that. So um, we want to, and then on Sardinia, they've got something called the Neptune Cave, and so we're also keen to explore all of that as well. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're in a great location to start out from, so you're going to have a lot of fun. So, yes. so what what would be what would be your route next year? Heading straight over towards Sardinia or going down to, let's say, Mallorca first and then Menorca and so forth? So so what, what was quite interesting for us is I mean, when we, we came in to Menorca and we were really blown away with Menorca. We weren't expecting, expecting that. It was quite a, a pleasant surprise for us and we spent um, a week there. Um, but... You know the weather in October has been a bit a bit unsettled with uh, early snows and stuff like that. So uh, it wasn't it was just a bit cold. Um, but we, we we really enjoyed Menorca. So the plan is to go back there. Um, I guess kind of end of April, early May next year. Spend some time in Menorca, and then from then we'll we'll head across to the the top of Sardinia and and the bottom of Corsica um, and explore around there. Then across to the Italian coast, down through the Messina Straits, and, and kind of hug the coast mm-hmm. um, until we can and explore all, all of that. So we still need to do some research into into that that part of Italy in terms of what we want to want to see. And then we'll we'll take the shortest the shortest hop across to Albania, reset VAT there, and then um, stop in Montenegro just to fill up on their their duty free fuel <laughs> diesel, and then straight into into Croatia. Okay, so. You you you're not even going to go to Mallorca. You're going to go to Minorca then instead. Correct. So yeah, which bays did yeah. did you hit both Sia de Dea and Mahon when you visited Minorca last time? Yes, we did. We did both. both. Yeah, we, we, we went into Mahon and then we sailed in a in a clockwise um, direction up to the north um, to a point, and then we we cut from there back across to Barcelona. Okay. Okay. Sia today is a pretty cool little anchorage, isn't it? I, I, that's one of my favorite tiny little anchorages I've ever been into. It's, it's a lovely, lovely little town. We were very impressed. Um, we were quite fortunate that when we were we arrived in Mahon and then we went sort of westward on the south side of the, the island, mm-hmm. that the wind was playing with us the whole way. Um, and at that stage, we had quite a northerly wind so we could hide there and then when we went um, into to the little town, we could hide there, and then the wind changed as well. So we've been very fortunate to southerly, and we were on the north side. Um, 
we loved Mahon as well. We were very impressed with Mahon. It, it, it's quite a special town. Yeah. Well, it's a historical town. I mean, that's where the British fleet was had a big base there in Mahon back in the day. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yes. Did you stop in Kaya Kaves on the way around? Yes, yes. We spent we spent three nights there, I mm, think. Yeah, mm, three nights mm. there, and then because because we like running and stuff, it, it's fantastic access into the Kami de Cavalis, uh, and we kind of would go this, you know, west, and then go go east, and on different days. But yeah, it was it was we explored we explored that whole area. Okay. Yeah, I remember there was a couple of hermits living in caves when I was anchored in Kaya Kaves alone. They were. Are they, they, were. Still they still there? Still there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Probably a little older since uh, since then, but uh, yeah, okay. Okay. So, um, what else should we talk about before uh, before we call it an interview? Was there was it uneventful on your sail back from from Greece? Uh, where, where were your stops? Um, so, so I, I, I've got to tell you that you know we we've we've done sailing in Cape Town, but it's mostly been the Cape regattas. Um, Cape Town is great for going out and taking your boat and and racing. Going to Croatia, you discover the islands, and and island to island is a fairly short trip. So you find that. If you're going from Pekini to Fith, I think it's a four-hour sail. So it's never a long day out unless you're going to cover multiple islands. Um, The Croatian waters are great. You seldom have um, swell because of the way the islands work. And tidal difference is is minimal, nothing. Um, And also your anchorages are easy. So you can literally get to a bay at any time of the day or night. Drop the anchor. You don't have to worry about the Poseidon grass. Is it protected? Are you hitting grass? Are there going to be rocks? Because there's something about the bays that are pretty special. And you also know, depending on which side of the island you are, that you're going to get shelter from the prevailing winds. Um, Greece, we found, was the water was amazing. The cliffs were quite spectacular. But now you needed to be more concerned about the the rocks so there were a lot more rocks you had to be concerned with so you couldn't just go into bay and assume you could drop your your anchor anywhere that you wanted to um when we went to sicily we found that there were less rocks but the depths of the water would vary and we weren't really impressed with it that, that they would have a long coastline and not many sheltered bays um because of the way the island is is sort of built. Menorca was great. You were back again where where you had these little coves as you described now. And and the depths were agreeable. Again you had to be careful of rocks. Um but it's so, so I think that's been the biggest experience for us is understanding from a from a sailing perspective. We've we've discovered that with the crossings that we've done, um that the chop and the swell and the currents can be quite drastic. I think that's been the biggest thing. Kevin gets seasick, so it's been interesting for him a couple of times um, where we've had four-meter swells. We've had 30-knot winds. We've had four-knot currents. And so it's it's been interesting. It really has been and a great experience and very humbling. So in Sicily, you just went to Messina, and did you go up through the Messina Strait? Yeah, we went up through the Messina Strait. Um, we kind of timed it how we, how we thought we should from the current. Uh, there's a website we, we we looked at. I can't remember the name, and we timed it perfectly. But as we made that, we, we were going up on the on the right hand side, and we had a we had a following current of uh, one and a half knots. Um, we had a good wind. Um, and we ended up crossing because just because of the way the wind was, we ended up crossing before that bend to the right. And when we got into the middle, it looked like we were we were sailing in 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 a whitewater rapids, and we we hit a, a 4.4 knot current that wasn't supposed to be there with a 30 knot wind, and that was a bit scary and a bit of a mess getting out of there. Um, so that was, that was a horrendous experience. And then 
it took us a long time to make our way west, west along the north of Sicily because the west wind was just blowing for a week. So it would be kind of creep some, you know, some some miles in the morning or the evening kind of stuff to the bay and then shelter out for the worst and, and then keep going. So so we were unlucky with that. Um, our crossing from Sicily to, to Sardinia was also pretty hair-raising. The, the winds would double what they what they forecast. As, as Jackie said there, we had... We had four-meter swells that were almost hitting us from the beam. Um, we were ending up, I mean, in this cat, we had the mainsail fully reefed and about a postage-stamp-sized postage, size, postage size portion of the jib out, um, and we were doing 11 knots. So that was <laughs> that was scary for us. Um, but from Sardinia to Menorca, we were we were lucky. We had some great sailing from Menorca to, to Barcelona. I think leaving Menorca and getting to Barcelona, we used the engine for 15 minutes in total, you know, that was just pulling up the anchor and coming to the marina. Yeah. Otherwise it, it was, it was great. Um, so we've, we've had a mix. We've had a, mi- a mix bad of, of, of great conditions and but scary conditions. And, and we, we put up a code zero um, when we bought the boat expecting light winds. And I don't know if you know much about a code zero, but you can't have the code zero running when it's, when it's over 12 knots of wind. And so we just never use it <laughs> because we yeah. just we get crazy winds. Yeah, I've, that's what my drifter is on my boat. And every time I put it up, it's time to take it down. That's every, <laughs> yes. And yes. always, <laughs> and always when I take it down, it gets caught around something and tears. So I, I'm really very hesitant <laughs> to put my drifter up anymore. So, yeah. yeah. So a lot. Let me talk to you about uh, your trip around. Uh, Sicily. Did you you didn't get down to Terramina or Catania? You just went north around the uh, toe of Italy, up through the Straits, and then worked your way east. Did you stop at Cefalo? Did you stop at the uh, Aeolian Islands? Any of those places? Um, yeah. So, so I mean, France. Being the first time we, we were kind of doing this crossing, we were a little bit worried that the fact that it's we were leaving summer and going into autumn and winter and mm-hmm. not sure what was going to happen from a weather perspective. So we didn't want to waste too much time getting to, to kind of Menorca and kind of Spain. Um, so yeah, we, we just, as, as I said, you know, it was the Ionian islands in Greece, um, then across to the Messina Straits, then just along the North coast of, of, of Sicily, um, one or two nice bays, but we, we weren't overwhelmed. Um, Sardinia, we ended up on the, the southeast coast. Um, okay. I, I can't remember the name of that place and, Cal- and Cal- kind of making our way around the south of Cod- Cag- Cagliari. Uh, the, the main town on the south is Cagliari. So, so you yeah, we, we didn't we, go into Cagliari. Bypassed yeah. that we went straight to Carlo Forti. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We try and avoid the, the, the main big towns, as Jackie said, we prefer kind of the anchoring in, in, in the bays, uh, and the like, and, and avoiding the big towns. Um, but yeah, Carla Forte. Um, and then from there, we, we went straight across to to Mahon. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So those are a couple, let's see, that would be about one overnight to get from uh, Sardinia to, to Mallorca, an overnight sail? Correct, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I, I think um, from Monte- Montenegro to, to Greece was overnight, um, from my onions yeah. to Italy was two nights. Yeah. Um, then um, Sicily to Sardinia was one night. It was supposed to be two, but yeah, we cut it night, short. Great winds. Um, Sardinia to um, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that little island. Yeah, no, one night. That was a night. And then it was two nights to, to Mahon and a night to Barcelona. And then you just got to Barcelona a couple days ago, right? That's correct. Um, when did we arrive here? Friday. Ooh. Friday, yeah. So this is a uh, this is pretty short on the uh, end of your your summer adventures, and that I'm getting to talk to you. So everything's still pretty fresh. That's great. <laughs> we yeah. we were supposed to head down. The, the idea was to get down to Almeria, um, to Almeria Mar, um, mm-hmm. the marina, but we sort of ran out of speed and thought, no, let's just let's just stay up north and enjoy the mountains here, but also love Barcelona. So quite keen to to have access. We 40 kilometers out of the city. So it's easy access via trains. And um, so the big thing now is 
do we take the sales down? Do we call it quits or do we sort of hope for good weather days and say, let's take the boat out today? So we're not quite sure what, what we're doing going forward. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough decision. For me, I always put my boat on the heart at the end of the year, so I've never faced with that. They're always coming off and going down below. But but where you're there, you might want to go out for day sales every now and then just yeah. for the fun of yeah. it. Mm. Mm. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be difficult because we've quite enjoyed it. And sort of I look around and I think, oh, I need that for a night sale because your, your brain goes into sort of survival mode. What do we need for night sale? Um and then I think, no, um, we're not going to be night sailing for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this has been great talking to you. I look forward to hearing some more of your adventures in the future. And if Thank it, you. Is there anything else we should talk about before we call it an interview? No, that's great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Again, if you want to support this podcast, become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash medsailor and sign up there to become a Patreon. Or go to the website medsailor.com and buy some of my audio products. And the audio products include lessons for the ASA 101, the 103, or the 104. And also the website, you can get bundles of past episodes of the podcast if you so wish. If you don't want to pay for them, they are available at the website. You can always listen to the past episodes at the website. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.